Deep bro, serious questions with silly people. I'm your host, Christina P. It's, it's still not right. I don't know. I'm, I'm still working on it. Anyways, uh, hi, hi. How's it going? I hope everything's great in your world. Um, it's good for it's good. Things are getting better for me this week. I have to say, baby jeans is now like nine weeks old, um, and we've turned a corner in our home, and it's great. It's great. Uh, okay, well, let's let's just start the damn thing. So, number one, come see me live, do stand-up comedy. Uh, I'm going to be at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank, California, April 1st and 2nd. Uh, Flappers. That's such a great club. I, I highly recommend you come to that. It's going to be so much fun. My friend owns it. It's a good place. It's a good venue. Good food. Uh, April 20th, 8 p.m. show at the Ventura Comedy Club in Ventura, California, if you're up there. Come see me. May 27th through May 28th. That's just May 27th and May 28th. I'm at the Comedy Store in La Jolla, California. That's just fancy San Diego, isn't it? La Jolla, mommy, La Jolla. Uh, What else? Okay, listen, do you shop on Amazon? I hope you do. It's like the best thing ever. Um, So you never have to leave your house, which I never like to do. Please use my banner when you do your shopping. Go to... That's deepbropodcast.com. Go and like there's a banner. It's called a banner. It's just a square that says Amazon on it. Just click on that. It takes you to Amazon. Do your shopping as you normally would. And um, that kicks back some some coin to the show. Yes. I'm on Twitter at Christina P. I'm on Instagram at uh, 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 Christina P-A-Z. I'm all, I'm all over the fucking place. And if you don't know, I have another show with my husband called Your Mom's House, which we just started um, putting on YouTube. And pretty soon, that's Deep Bro will be on YouTube as well. We're just working out the kinks on Your Mom's House, and then we're going to do this show um, as well. But that that is now up, and we're going to do every episode an uh, HD video so you can watch Your Mom's House on your TV at home, which is crazy, and it's so fun. And we're having a blast. And um, it's really neat having people tell you how fat you are and how tired you look. Um, so, yeah, I'm super stoked that we're, uh, we're recording these uh, video. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Didn't that sound like kind of a negative, oh, my God, I, like I have poor self-esteem? Didn't that sound like something somebody who might be self-loathing would say about themselves? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> yes. You're right. And that's why I'm doing this episode on self-hatred, self-loathing, and, um, and the self-esteem movement, and, and whether or not that stuff kind of works, you know? And, and how the hell do we feel good about ourselves? I'm not sure I've really figured that one out entirely, but let's explore it. Let's get into it together. Why not? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you into this episode with a gentleman who clearly has way too much uh, self-esteem, but let me, let me find him first. Hold on. So this gentleman, yeah, a lot of self-esteem, um, more, more self-esteem than anybody on the planet. And I wonder, and I wonder, does this gentleman, 
Does this gentleman love himself? I don't know, but it's a damn good song. So there we go. We're gonna skate to one song, one song only. So I ball so hard, motherfuckers wanna find me. The first niggas gotta find me. What's 50 grand to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Ball so hard, this shit crazy. Y'all don't know that don't shit phase. And as we go, 0 for 82 when I look at you like this shit crazy. Ball so hard, this shit weird. We ain't even pro be here. Ball so hard since we here. It's only right that we be fair. Psycho, I'm libo to go Michael. Take your pick. Jackson, Tyson, Jordan, game six. Ball so hard, got a broke clock. Rollies that don't tick tock. All the Mars that's losing time. Hitting behind all these big rocks. Ball so hard, I'm shocked too. I'm supposed to be locked up too. You escape, but I escape. You be in Paris getting fucked up too. Ball so hard, let's get faded. Libraries for like six days. Gold bottles, soul models. Spilling ace on my sick days. Ball so hard, bitch behave. Just might let you meet gay. Shot towns, B rolls. Moving the next, BK. Ball so hard, motherfuckers wanna find me. That shit crazy. That shit crack. That shit crack. Ball so hard, wanna find me. That shit crack. That shit crack. That shit crack. She said, yeah, can we get married at the mall? I said, look, you need to... All right, who the fuck is getting married at the mall? Well, this is a great... Here's a... Wait, where's the line? Uh-oh. Is there to have it out? Here we go. Uh-oh. That shit crack. That shit crack. Ain't it Jay? What she order? Fish filet. Uh-oh. This old thing. Act like you ever be around motherfuckers like this. All right. She want to dance. <laughs> Try requesting this song in public. Oh, here's the best part. Ready? Here we go. Well, me. If I was them, I would have. Oh, shit. Gucci. Gucci. My Louie. Oh. Drug. What's that jacket, Margiela? Do you know that I don't even know what Margiela was when I heard this song? I'm like, oh, is that a fancy brand that uh, rappers like? I have no clue. Yeah, no one knows what it means, but it's provocative. What a song. I, look, I hate I hate to admit it, but I really like the song. I really love Jay-Z, actually. And in my early days of stand-up, when I was so nervous to do it, like I, I literally had diarrhea um, for the first, I would say, seven years of doing comedy, just consistently painful diarrhea. I'd be doubled over before every show. Sometimes I, the diarrhea would start like the morning I woke up knowing I had to perform that night and my palms were sweaty and I lost a bunch of weight. It was it was great for weight loss and for uh, bowel cleansing. But uh, man, I had, I had no confidence and uh, it took me so long to get comfortable up there and and what I would do on my drive to the clubs, I, I used to do this room called Martini Blues, which was like an hour outside of L.A. in Orange County. And I would go there because I didn't want people to see me <laughs> uh, bombing and eating shit in L.A. And I would go to this horrible club. It was a blues club in the front, a comedy club in the back room. And the guy who ran it, sweetest guy on the planet, but he would do this corny intro where it was like oh my god I'm so embarrassed to even talk about this where it would be like um you know that let's get ready to rumble he would play that like ding ding and then the lights would go off 
but then there would be like flickering lights, you know, like in a roller skating rink or something. And it would be like, ding, ding, let's get ready to rumble. And then this song would start. You know that one? And then the, the host would go from the back of the room. Welcome to Martini Blues Comedy Night. Keep your table talk to a minimum and your laughter to a maximum. Please welcome your host. And then he would run up um, to the stage. And that that was my gig. Friday and Saturday night, I would drive. I would drive in traffic. I had a day job at the time. I would sit in traffic for like two hours <laughs> to go to Orange County because I lived. I worked in Burbank or something like that in the Valley, and two hours in the car and I would just fucking sweat bullets the whole ride. I would sometimes pull over and shit before I got to the club. Sometimes I would barely make it to the club and have to shit in their disgusting jazz bathroom with drunk um, Orange County sluts. Like, just drunk dummies, you know? Oh my god, I love this. I love this club. It's so great. I, and I hate that blonde girl comic. What a bitch. Um, but yeah, so the only thing that kind of gave me a boost or some self-esteem or some fake confidence, which I think what I was doing was fishing for a, a fake sense of, of confidence, is I would listen to rappers. Because... Who better to manufacture confidence and self-esteem than a rapper? Um, I didn't. Kanye West was like just coming out at the time that I, at least I knew about him. Uh, but but Jay Z, wow! Talk about. I think the Black Album is is a perfect. I don't I don't listen to a lot of rap music. I'm not an aficionado, but I I love that album. I think it's a great album from top to bottom every song there's like a nice story arc there's a there's a neat progression i think that goes to that album but you know the jay-z's whole thing is he starts from the bottom and he works his way to the top and he starts off as nothing and his dad abandons him and his mom claims that she gave him that she had no birth no pain in childbirth with jay-z that's how special he was and his humble beginnings and i would just listen to this shit and like pump myself up like oh i'm gonna fucking crush it <laughs> i'm gonna crush these eight minutes at martini blues man oh fucking i got 99 problems but a bitch ain't one man oh snap but it helped me it helped me get through those like uh i think oh five i don't i think that's when the album came out i want to say oh four or something like that and rappers man rappers biggie smalls helped me through that time kanye did later and because uh, there's there's something so great about that manufactured confidence, that uh, that false bravado, which, you know, what do they call boasting and bragging rhymes? You know, I'm the shit. I'm number one. I'm the best and all that stuff. Ugh. It doesn't really fit into my repertoire of being. It's not really like <laughs> I don't go around saying how amazing I am. I don't I don't think a lot of comedians do. And the ones that do are not that funny as far as I'm concerned. Um so yeah, there you go. There's a little insight into uh, how to talk yourself up if you're ever going to do something that scares the shit out of you. Listen to rappers because they they know how to how to manufacture a sense of um, confidence. Man, fuck yeah, listen to them. Don't don't listen to white people music. You got you got to go rappers, black black rappers. Okay. Here we are. It's Saturday. I'm recording on a Saturday. I never do this. I uh, I left the kid with the husband 
<laughs> I love when people say, um, daddy's babysitting. Well, daddy's babysitting as if the child doesn't belong to him as well. How fucking sexist and, uh, and oppressive is that notion that daddy babysits his own child. But I think sadly in a lot of relationships, that's the, uh, that's the norm. But my husband does not babysit our child. My husband watches our child as I come to the office alone on a Saturday morning to record uh, this show which I love doing. I love getting away from my life and talking to you. It's the best. It's just the best, isn't it? This show is like a dark little secret, isn't it? It's just the fucking, I'm looking at me, I'm talking about my own self. I'm rapping about my own show. But no, I, I love, I love that um, lately it's, it's gotten, we've gone to the dark side of the forest on stuff. And I, I love the emails I've been getting from you. Thank you so much. So many people sent in supportive emails. I think a lot of people are worried that I'm going to um, jump off a postpartum cliff. I am not. But thank you for your emails of support and kindness from all the moms that emailed me. I really appreciate it. And um, like I said, turned a corner this corner this week. This week, this week, much better with the baby jeans. Either I'm getting used to my new crazy life, or we're getting into some sort of routine. I, I think it's it's almost there. I'm almost at 12 weeks with this kid. And I hear that's a magic number, and I'm sure that's not true, because bitches be lying. There's no such thing as a magic number with babies. There's just progression. There's you getting used to your new shitty way of living. I think that's what it is. Your new, your new shitty life with a newborn. It's not, there's no, the kid doesn't change. You just get used to things. I think that's what happens. Um, not that I don't love my child insanely. He's really fucking cute. Oh. But man, what I wouldn't give for eight hours of sleep. Okay, so here's the episode, and here's why I'm doing it. I got this um, really, really just kind of like, whoa, doggy email uh, from a girl. You know, I like to keep these anonymous unless you expressly say, use my name. I don't really want to tell people your name, so... Here it is. Okay, she, she, it's a, it, I'll just say it's a she. Hello, hope all is well. My day hasn't been so bomb. Well, maybe it has. It's a matter of perspective, I guess. First, the first time in my 38 years, I was able to articulate what the problem is. I have these downward spirals, and then I come up for air. I move on for a bit, and then here it comes again. My husband would ask me what's wrong or what's going on or what I can do to help, and I can never answer him. Because I didn't know how to, I didn't know what the answer was. Why am I angry or irritated or crying? Why do I have to keep it moving all the time? Why am I never satisfied? Am I manic depressive or am I just passionate? Am I an asshole or just Irish? (laughs) So this morning I had a meltdown. I ran a hot bath, ripped the bandage off my back, tattoo in progress, stood up and had an epiphany. I don't love myself. As a matter of fact, I borderline hate myself. I'm never enough, so no matter what I do to try to fill the void, it will never be enough. I am filled with self-hatred and guilt for the things I've said and done and who I am. I lash out and I'm selfish and I manipulate. I function in normal society because I've always been ambitious and well-liked and I'm good at self-medicating. I'm also really good at faking it. I have a strong yoga slash meditation practice and a supportive family. People tell me that I'm good and that they love me and I acknowledge it, but it doesn't change the way I feel about myself. I know that I need therapy and that's my goal for the upcoming week. I'll start the hunt for a shrink. 
I also know that until I gather the tools to break these patterns, I'll just keep repeating them. If I can't love myself, I'll never be able to love anybody else, not fully, not wholly. I'll always be an imposter. I bet I'm not the only one. So I thought I'd request a show about self-hatred, self-loathing, and the sense of self. Ooh, much love to you and Tom and Ellis. Yeah, dude, that's heavy, right? That's a fucking heavy, heavy uh, email to receive. But I think uh, the reason I chose to do this is because I read it and I was like, yeah, uh-huh, totes. I get it. I really do get it, dude. Uh, and it's it's so great that you were able to articulate it this way because I think that's fucking 89% of the problem is that this, what you, what I just read, you're right, dude, that took 38 years (laughs) to process and be like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And at the core is self-hatred. And that's like, that's so good. Okay. It's good. And it sucks at the same time. So it's crazy because I think I had a parallel realization this week with parenting where I'm like, wait, I'm so afraid of messing my kid up because my mom was crazy. I'm so worried that uh, the crazy parts of my mom are going to somehow seep into how I raise my kid. And then what it broke down to is maybe I don't like myself, you know? And and there's this thing of like, I, I remember a long time ago before I had a kid, some woman said it was somewhere, some talk goes, you know, I was never ready to have a kid because I didn't love myself enough. And at the time that didn't make sense to me. And uh, now it does because, you know, it's that whole, it's that whole uh, RuPaul thing. Have you, have you heard this? Have you heard? Oh, fuck. Where is this? Here it is. This is RuPaul. Here you go. You can't love yourself. Okay. How the hell you going to love somebody else? Can they get an amen up in here? All right. For RuPaul's Drag Race. Is that still on? I don't know. But I remember RuPaul saying that because I watched that show at some point in my life. Let's do it again. I love when he says this shit. You can't love yourself. Okay. How the hell you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen up in here? Amen up in here. Why do drag queens and like overweight models and people on Instagram have the most amazing self-esteem? But they love themselves the most. Like... (laughs) I guess I have to be an overweight Dove soap model to have an inflated um, self-esteem. But yeah, so here we go. Self-loathing. Yikes. Um, It even makes my asshole itch to talk about it a little bit because I think it is so close to the bone here, man. That is like seminal problem for me. I think for most comedians that are worth a a shit, uh, I think a lot of musicians, artists are big self-loathers and are fucking amazing because of it. <laughs> if you look at one of my, Bukowski, one of my most favorite authors, um, intense self-loather. Hemingway blew his brains away. Intense self-loather. Vincent Van Gogh cuts his ear off. Intense self-loather. Um, you know, there's a great history of, of wonderfully creative self-loather. So it's not necessarily, I think, an entirely horrible thing um, to have a little dose of self-hatred every now and then. Because let's be honest, if you look in the mirror and you are you are overweight or you do suck and you're like, I'm amazing, 
I, you know, that shit doesn't work either. And, and I know supposedly that motivating yourself negatively doesn't work. I don't think so. It works great for me. I flog the shit out of myself. And, you know, a lot of times when I do, I see results. <laughs> That's the problem is that my negative self-talk has really helped me. That's the fucking problem. And what this woman writes, too, is that she says she's successful. She fakes it. And she gets away with it. And she has a bullshit, you know, meditation. I told I did the same thing. So there's something to the negative self-talk. On the one hand, propels you to do shit right externally. You know? Uh, unfortunately, in your private world, it kind of wreaks havoc. I think that's what she's getting at, right? And no, I don't think you're manic, depressive, or just Irish. I think that, uh, I think you're right. Okay, so let's let's see what else did I have for you on this subject. That I read a book because I asked psychotherapist Mark for uh, book recommendations. And let me find the first one that I took a gander at. If you're interested, there is a book called... Oh, I love I love the fucking iPad thing. I can't. Okay. It's called Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. And thank you, Mark, for recommending this book, The Proven Power of Being Kind to Yourself. Uh, that's the book that I read to prepare for this podcast because I think, um, you know, listening to Kanye, that guy's a total asshole. I think it's universally agreed that that guy's a douchebag. Um, but you would look at him and you'd go, wow, he really has high self-esteem. Self-esteem. Isn't that the big buzzword for for self-loving is self-esteem, high self-esteem. Um, and you would look at Kanye and go, wow, that guy really thinks himself highly. Um, is that necessarily the the hallmark of self-love, though? I, I really don't think so. Mm, because a lot of high achievers are also self-loathers. And I'm pretty, I can tell Kanye doesn't, I'm pretty sure he fucking hates him. I hope he hates himself, put it that way. But, you know, because look, I've, I've done cool things and then like I'll achieve something and then simultaneously still manage to flog myself. So I know everybody says that the, the key to loving yourself, just love yourself is high self-esteem. And I don't think that's accurate. And this book um, shares my thoughts on that. She shares my opinion on the self-esteem movement being total horseshit. Um, because you can still, like I said, achieve things and fucking beat yourself up at the end of the day. You know, you look at, you know, actresses with eating disorders, the flogging themselves. You look at um, how many comedians have committed suicide or actors or whoever, dude. It doesn't mean shit. <laughs> self-esteem. Give me a break. What the fuck is self-esteem anyway? So let's start off with this whole love yourself stuff. Um, as RuPaul said, love. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like that's the mantra of this age. Just love yourself. Just love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. Let's do some positive affirmations with Louise Hay right now. About your life. About your life. Love yourself, guys. Why don't you love yourself? It's easy, right? I release the need for self-criticism. Oh. <laughs> I release the need for self-criticism, you dumb bitch. Release it. Do it. You release the need for self-criticism. Oh, and then you have to say it in third. You release the need for self-criticism. Hmm. Hmm. I speak up for myself. I speak up for myself. 
I speak up for myself. You speak up for yourself. You speak up for yourself. <laughs> so this is Louise Hay, uh, like one of the founders of the self-help movement, the biggie, the biggie. She She's a multimillionaire. I am comfortable with my power. <laughs> I love this shit so much. This, the horrible part is that this really works. That's that's the, the crazy you part. With your power. You start saying this stuff to yourself, man, you do feel better. That's the weird part. Uh, okay, so loving yourself. Louise Hay is a millionaire. Um, she owns a publishing company called Hay House, and she publishes her books, everyone else, Mar- Marianne Williamson, all these self-help people, and makes a fortune, a fortune off of people like me uh, who grew up with poor parenting and now are trying to salvage the wreckage. Okay, so love yourself. Love yourself, love yourself. The mantra of drag queens and plus-size models. Uh, But what does that really mean? It, It sounds, it's always sounded really hollow to me. I don't understand what that means. Uh, love yourself. I think even philosophically, it's it's like, it's almost, it's almost impossible to wrap my head around it because it logically, it kind of doesn't make sense. Well, for one thing, I can love things that are external to me. I can love objects. I can love animals. Um, I can love a person because that person's external. But the self is something that is forever changing it's not an objective you don't know what the fuck you are sometimes some days and that's part of the problem i think like in order to objectively be able to do that wouldn't i have to be able to define myself clearly and understand it and know it and blah 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 blah. i just it's like it just doesn't make sense maybe that's just my low self-esteem talking but love yourself ay yay yay and not only that doesn't it put a little bit of vomit into your mouth just saying something like like oh you just gotta you gotta love yourself it just makes me feel lame <laughs> if i'm gonna be honest it just sounds so fucking corny Ugh. anyways loving yourself yeah and i also worry too if i if i fall into the self-help nest of loving myself unconditionally and always praising everything i do when I become unmotivated and lazy, you know, because if I really loved myself, if I really, really loved myself, if I treated myself the way I treated other people, well, I would let myself off the hook for all kinds of stuff. I wouldn't show up to do my podcast because I'm like, you know what, Christina, you don't need to do this. You need to take the day off. You need to get a Thai massage and go eat sushi and roller skate at the beach. You need to love yourself. So I worry that loving myself so much, I mean, won't it make me lazy? Won't it make me the most indifferent person on the planet? And again, I worry because the best self-loathers are are also um, fantastic artists. The derelicts, the dark heroes, the masturbators. Uh, These are all wonderfully self-loathing people. Um, and, and I, I, again, the ones who don't hate themselves, I question how good their creative capacity is. Cause I mean, I've seen comics who love themselves and it is a disaster. You know, you can tell it's just a fucking nightmare. Ugh, gross. Um, yeah. And I've also met people who claim to love themselves 
and I don't buy it. They're usually overcompensating. I don't know. I, I, am I crazy? I don't, I don't know anybody who loves themselves. It seems to me to be a pretty, pretty universal experience um, that everybody sort of hates themselves just a little. And this book confirms it. Here we go. Let's start with this. You're going to like this. I think you're going to like this. Um, okay, let's start. Self-compassion. Here we go. Let me find this fucking bookmark notes. Okay. Uh, What's interesting is that Americans apparently have little (laughs) self-compassion. And a lot of that stems from um, our horrible consumer society and advertising. The advertising industry is fucking evil. I've covered that in the consumerism episode. It is so evil because... The premise is we make you feel like shit. We create, we manufacture these problems. You're too fat. Your dick is too limp. You're bald. Your eyelashes aren't long enough. Your hair is too thin. Uh, You need a better car. You need a better wardrobe. Your nails are brittle. Your teeth are yellow. Um, Everything about you sucks. Your house smells like dog shit. But here, I have a solution for you. And that's the premise of advertising, which is so insidious. And what is advertising? It's the cornerstone of um, capitalism. It's how we make money in this country. (laughs) Without it, the wheels fall off the bus. And the result being that a lot of Americans feel like they can't measure up to the messages given to us in advertising. And that's a nadoi, right? Uh, We must be smart and fit and fashionable and interesting and successful and sexy says this book. Oh, and spiritual too. And no matter how well we do, someone else will always seem to be doing it better. The result of this line of thinking is sobering. Millions of people need to take pharmaceuticals every day just to cope with daily life, insecurity, anxiety, and depression. Anxiety and depression. Those are the two words that I get sent the most on this show in emails. They are, people are full of anxiety and depression and they are incredibly common. This trait, anxiety and depression, incredibly common in our society. And much of this is due to self judgment, to beating ourselves up when we feel we aren't winning in the game of life. Winning, isn't that funny? And that very word is what that lunatic, uh, Charlie Sheen was winning using when he was going on his psychotic rampage. Um, I love that that guy still has a career, by the way. Fucking wife-beating douchebag. But why? Because he makes money, and that's why. Uh, So, did you know that in countries like Thailand, where they're not as winning-driven, people are supposedly, 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 I say it wrong on purpose so much that I started saying it wrong on this show. (laughs) People in Thailand are more, are kinder to themselves, um more compassion for themselves simply because they are other focused, not so much like in the Western world where we are focused on ourselves. Oh goodness Christ. So here we go. Um, this woman starts the book. So is there, so what's the answer to stop judging and evaluating ourselves altogether to stop trying to label ourselves as good or bad and simply accept ourselves with an open heart to treat ourselves with the same kindness, caring, compassion, we would show to a good friend or even a stranger for that matter. Sadly, however, there's almost no one whom we treat as badly as ourselves. Holy fuck. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And be honest with yourself. That's the hard thing is sometimes you don't even listen to the horrible shit that you say to yourself. Like, just try it. Just try it. (laughs) The next time, just listen to how you talk to yourself 
at least I have it there. It's there. Like even if it's something small, um, like this morning, my shoelace came untied. Oh, motherfucking, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why can't I tie my shoelaces right? And part of that is comedic. Like I know I have an audience and the dogs and my husband and the kid, you know, but part of that is just how I talk to myself. <laughs> just part of my normal, my normal internal dialogue. I'm sure that's really healthy. Um, okay. So, yes, having compassion for oneself. And is it possible to have these feelings for ourselves? That's what this book is going to ask. Um, okay, so the problem with the self-esteem movement, which I agree with being total and utter dog shit, uh, is that self-esteem movement tells you that through achievement you will feel better about yourself and by achieving things you'll feel better about yourself you'll feel better about yourself and then therefore you will love yourself and you will stop this negative self-talk and you won't be crying in your bathtub uh and that's just not the truth why because it still hinges on the belief that you need to be better than somebody else you're always comparing yourself to somebody else to feel better and that's why the self-esteem movement kind of doesn't work because you're still measuring yourself up against winning, losing, I'm better than, I'm less than, I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm there, I'm up, I'm down. There's really no sense of center. And, and that's why the self-esteem movement uh, doesn't work. And so this lady will say that self-compassion provides the same benefits as high self-esteem without its drawbacks. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Cause like, uh, cause having to see yourself as better or perfect or better than somebody else is kind of, it doesn't really work with um, having real self love. So what is self compassion? What does it mean exactly? I usually, she says, I usually find that the best way to describe self compassion is to start with a more familiar experience. Compassion for others. After all, compassion is the same, whether we direct it to ourselves or to other people. Uh, so basically what she's saying is like, Oh, the moment. Okay. You know, how there's like a homeless person and um, because there's everywhere and they hang out by the freeway exits and um, and you know, you try to avoid them, the eye contact. I always do. I'm such a shitbird because I feel too bad for them and like, like I'm not going to, I don't give them money. But I mean, sometimes I do. I give them like a, you know, buck or two or whatever, but it's not that I'm one of these people that's like, they're going to buy liquor. Oh, I hope they buy liquor. I hope they buy drugs with my money. Of course. I mean, wouldn't you, if you were homeless and sleeping and under freeways? Yeah, you should be ripped all the time. Um, but I, I feel, ugh. but she says that the moment that you look at like a homeless person and, um, and you're annoyed or you're just, ugh, God, this fucking dirtbag's going to squeegee my windshield. Ugh, he smells. Ugh, God, this guy. Oh, gross. Like the moment you do that, you see this person as, um, as less than you and you don't, you just see them as a, you don't see them as a person, but just as an annoyance. Um, but if you notice his suffering and, you know, you ask yourself questions like, well, how does he survive? Um, you know, how, how does he survive in traffic, inhaling fumes all day and he isn't earning that much and at least he's trying to offer something in return for the cash being the, the filthy squeegee on your windshield. 
It must be really tough to have people to be so irritated with you all the time. You know, I wonder what this guy's story is. How did he end up on the streets? So basically the moment you see the man as an actual human being who is suffering, your heart connects with him. And instead of ignoring him, you find your amazement that you're taking a moment to think about how difficult his life is. You're moved by his pain and you feel the urge to help him in some way. And importantly, if what you feel is true compassion rather than mere pity, you say to yourself, there but be the, by the by grace of God I go. I don't even know what the fuck that means. There but for the grace of God go I. I never understood what that even there but for the grace of God. I can't. Anyway, if I'd been born in different circumstances or maybe had just been unlucky, I might also be struggling to survive like that. We're all vulnerable. So in our ability to be um, compassionate for others, she's saying, why not turn that compassion towards ourselves? Um, and that's the point of it, to try to kind of externalize yourself um, and see yourself as the other for a moment and be able to talk to yourself. And in the Western culture, you know, we're, we're the John Waynes, right? Stiff upper lip tradition. We are taught to be strong, uh, that's right. Isn't that the the mantra? I'm a strong woman. I'm a strong, independent woman. Boo, boo, boo. And men are men are chastised for being pussies or feminine. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be a cowboy. And uh, so that's what she says. We don't hold on. Okay. Mm, yeah. So you're supposed to be nice to yourself. <laughs> oh, and I like this. She goes, where is it written? Where is that written contract you signed before birth promising that you'd be perfect, that you'd never fail, and that your life would go absolutely the way you want it to? And she goes, uh, excuse me, there must be some error. I signed up for the everything will go swimmingly until the day I die plan. Can I speak to the management, please? <sighs> Uh, yeah, one of the downsides of living in a culture that stresses the ethic of independence and individual achievement is that if we don't continually reach our ideal goals, we feel that we only have ourselves to blame. And if we're at fault, that means we don't deserve compassion, right? And she says, no, the truth is everyone deserves compassion. It's not true. Um, it's funny because I used to work for a horrible human being, a fucking horrible human being. I'm not going to say who it is, but... I saw this human being recently and by objective, objective, whatever, um, whatever observations, one would say that this person has it all. Oh, oh no. Oh dear. I use my power wise. Oh, there's Louise. Sorry, I pushed the button. <laughs> anyway, I saw this person and I was like, oh, you know, by objective standards, this person has everything going, is attractive, is money. And then I realized what a miserable sack of shit this person really was. Um, you know, no relationships, no no love, no nothing. And she's fucking miserable. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I feel better about myself. And that's the point of this podcast is to always compare yourself to other people um, or always look for the misery in people you think are doing better than you. That actually does help for a minute. But no, I was able to look at this person with compassion is, is supposed to be the point <laughs> instead of hating them, which is what I did for years. Hmm. Okay. So, and the worry of self-compassion being, you know, is it going to make me lazy? Is it going to make me an a-hole? 
this book says, self-compassion doesn't mean that I think my problems are more important than yours. It just means I think my problems are also important and worthy of being attended to, which is really interesting because I think us self-loathers tend to uh, not allow space for our own problems, right? I know I've done that because I was raised to believe that that my problems were nothing. I li- my parents literally would say, eh, what? This is a great country. You're born... Uh, I wasn't even born in America, but you're living in America. You don't have no problems. What is problem? Okay? I had problem growing up. I was poor. Uh, Nazis came through, killed my villagers. I had not ate an orange, one orange a year. You have no problem. So I was told over and over I had no problems. And so it's very hard for me personally to uh, admit that I have feelings about things that aren't going well. So that's a huge one, dude, for us self-loathers. Man. By the way, this book does say that most people hate themselves. So don't listen and be like, oh, Christina hates herself. Guess what, motherfucker? You probably do too. So let's all get on board. Okay. Um, yeah, she's saying to give ourselves unconditional kindness and comfort while embracing the human experience, difficult as it is, we avoid destructive patterns of fear, negativity, and isolation. Ooh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the problem. Um, so how does this stuff happen? How do you end up being a self-loather? The truth of it is, and she talks about attachment parenting, which is all the rage now. You're supposed to carry your baby around um, all day and all night. The kids should never have a moment that's difficult for them. That's not true. That's not what it means. Basically, attachment parenting is the idea that when a baby cries, let's say you're a little baby in the world, and you cry, um, and mom and dad come to tend to your needs, they pick you up, they hug you, they tell you life is okay, what do you learn? You learn that life is okay and that people are to be trusted and the world is safe and I am safe in it and I can explore it and come back to this wonderful safe spot of mommy and daddy. And that's called a secure attachment. But let's say you have parents who maybe didn't know how to do that and, uh, you know, just for sake of argument, maybe they were Hungarian immigrants. Um, you know, maybe they escaped from their country at the age of 21 and and um, didn't know how to raise a baby. Maybe your mom was a borderline personality. Maybe, you know, stuff like that. And, okay, so maybe they don't know how to meet your needs consistently, and you grow up to become a stand-up comedian, and you have non-secure attachments. Um, So that means you grow up not trusting the world. Uh, And this isn't just for comedians. This is for normal people. Normal, I say normal, meaning non-comedians. You grow up... Mm, afraid of the world, convinced that people are not trustworthy. You may have a lot of what? Anxiety and depression. You may try to seek out relationships that mimic what's comfortable for you, i.e. E.G. <laughs> I never know the difference between those two. Uh, getting with people that won't meet your needs emotionally so that you can reinforce your own self-loathing which is why a lot of girls okay let's say a lot of girls i have a lot of friends who um date shitty dudes and a lot of that comes from having oh and by the way comedians um the form of self-loathing we take is to put ourselves down and putting yourself down she says is uh, another version it's just it's just to it's like 
um, human beings live on a hierarchy, she says, like a, like a pack. So there are people that lead the pack, the alphas, and those are the ones who like to put other people down to make themselves feel better. And then there's people like comedians who put themselves down, and it's also a form of playing it safe. So other people don't see you as a threat. Um, if you oh, if you beat somebody to the punch of talking shit, the idea is that uh, you won't be hurt. Isn't that interesting? Which I totally agree with. I mean, look, that's just an easier way to, to live. You know? Oh, and here's that bit in the book. This is a great part about... Um, uh, about uh, parenting and stuff. Phyllis Diller says, remember Phyllis Diller? I loved her. We spend the first 12 months of our children's lives teaching them to walk and talk and the next 12 telling them to sit down and shut up. Unsurprisingly, research shows that individuals who grow up with highly critical parents in childhood are much more likely to be critical toward themselves as adults. Oh, shit. People deeply internalize their parents' criticisms, meaning that the disparaging running commentary they hear inside their own head is often a reflection of parental voices. Sometimes passed down and replicated throughout generations. As one man told me, I just can't shut the voice up. My mom used to pick on me no matter what I did, for eating my dinner like a pig, wearing the wrong clothes to church, watching too much TV, whatever. You're never going to amount to anything, she'd say over and over again, and I hated her and promised myself I'd never raise my children that way. The irony is that even though I'm a loving, supportive dad to my kids, I am a complete bastard to myself. I tear myself to shreds all the time, even worse than my mother did. People with critical parents learn the message early on that they are so bad and flawed that they have no right to be accepted for who they are. Critical parents tend to play the role of both good and good cop and bad cop with their kids in the hope that they will be able to mold, mold their children into who they want them to be. Yikes. Bad cop punishes undesirable behavior and good cop rewards desirable behavior. This leads to fear and distrust among children who soon come to believe that only by being perfect will they be worthy of love. Given that perfection is impossible, children come to expect that rejection is inevitable. <laughs> um, has this woman been reading my diary? What's going on here? <sighs> so, my beloved writer who wrote this email... This is not from you. I doubt that. I doubt you were born not loving yourself. I know this because I'm watching a baby now. Babies love themselves. When you come into this world, you are not full of self-loathing. And you love everything. You love your shit. You love your peener. You love your, your fucking everything. Babies don't hate themselves. This is the stuff that you picked up along the way. So number one, just know that this shit does not belong to you. And, um, yeah, you're not crazy. I, I'm, I'm pretty certain something is someone, someone, um, gave that to you. So this is interesting too. This woman says, uh, uh, uh self-criticism is often used as a cover for something else. The desire for control. Yikes. Given that the parents of self-critics are usually overly controlling, the message is received early on that self-control is possible. So when parents blame their kids for making mistakes, um, children come to believe that they're personally responsible for all their failures, which means you grow up to think that you're responsible for everything that you do wrong or like stuff that doesn't happen for you. It's your fault. <laughs> there we go. 
Okay, so what do we do? I mean, that's more or less the uh, the gist of this book, just so you know. Those are the, the points that I liked anyways. Um, oh, and this is a neat part too. Sometimes you beat yourself up for beating yourself up in the hope that you will somehow stop beating yourself up. That shit doesn't work either. I do that as well, just so you know. But yes, person who emailed, please go into therapy. It's uh, kind of hugely hugely helpful um you got to do it dude otherwise the stuff will continue to sabotage your relationships because rupaul is right guys if you don't love yourself you're not going to love anybody else um just because your own self-loathing will find ways of validating itself over and over and over and over again basically it's another way of making yourself feel good (laughs) is to go see see look how unlovable i am my husband left me or my boyfriend or my girlfriend left me and that's why i'm such a piece of shit okay so what do we do the solution i don't have it but this book says um i don't know monitor your self-talk that's a huge one oh my goodness um monitor that self-talk here i wrote it down here uh, really listen to what you're saying. It's so hard because you know when you're just in it, it you, you you don't really listen to the chatter in your head. I started writing down things that I think of just re- like because you're just so used to yourself. Um, write the stuff down that you hear yourself saying and just read it. Read the horrors that you tell yourself. And I guarantee you wouldn't say that to somebody else, to somebody you loved anyways. You wouldn't say that stuff to somebody else. Just monitor it. Um, and this author, you know, she recommends things like giving yourself a hug. <laughs> uh, that one gave me dry heaves. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe for you listening, that's something that you'd be down to do. Like to physically hug yourself and tell your... And she, she says to give yourself loving strokes and, and stuff like that. Um, and just be really tender and, and caring. Because achieving stuff isn't going to do it. It's got to be through compassion for oneself. You have to kind of treat yourself like another person. Like like the other day I had a shitty thought and I literally went, would you even say that to somebody? Christina, would you even say that horrible thought to like your husband or your dog or your kid? And, um, and I was like, no, that's that's a terrible thought. And so I put the choke chain on it, you know, like when you're training a, a huge dog. No. Choke it. No, no, no. New thought. And actively try to reprogram your thought. And that's tough. You need to go to a shrink, really. If you want to, if you really want to rewire this stuff, a book isn't going to do it. Because this is some deep rewiring. You know, I, I think this is the foundation of so many people. This is the foundation of drug abuse, the foundation of abusive relationships, the foundation of... All the world's problems are it's self-loathing, man. It is. This is really the crux of why why anybody does anything shitty all the time. Uh, and you know, look, look, nobody's parents were perfect. I'm not blaming only shitty parenting, but that is a lot of it. <laughs> um, but it's it's the foundation of all the world's ills is this inability to love the self, you know, and the Buddhists try to get you out of it by loving other people. And that kind of works. You know, if you look at uh, the beginning of this book, it talked about how the Americans hate themselves the most. But if you go to other uh, countries that practice Buddhism, you go to Thailand because they're other directed. The idea is to make someone else feel good. Um, The self is not the focus so much. And that kind of helps. 
I hate to say it, you know, it really does help. Yeah. Yeah, this. I know. You use your power wisely. Oh, Jesus. It's so corny, but the self-affirmations, guys. Affirmation, self-esteem. Here we go. It is easy for me to yeah. stand up for myself. It is easy for me to stand up for myself. Oh, fuck. You can see this on YouTube, by the way. This is free. Louise Hay self-esteem affirmation. Google it. Here we go. It is easy for <sighs> you to stand up for yourself. What else does she have? Come on, bitch. Let's go. Let's get on it. I am wise and wonderful. <laughs> I am wise and wonderful. So, unfortunately, this kind of stuff does help. It's, it's so, you know, and it sounds so corny. But you kind of have to actively override the horrors in your head. And that's for everybody. <laughs> I appreciate myself. <sighs> I mean, look, writer of this email, if you can actively override it and you got to embrace the darkness, because I know this meditation yoga stuff, because I was into all of this pretty hardcore, still am, not the yoga, but the meditation, it does kind of cover up the bad thoughts. The bad thoughts are always going to be there, guys. Bad thoughts are always going to be there. You just got to learn how to manage them. I think that is really the point of this podcast is the uh, self-esteem movement is dog shit. Forget it. Don't try to get your self-esteem up. It's not, it doesn't help you love yourself anymore. <laughs> the only thing that helps you love yourself is to treat yourself like a person you would love. I think that's the point, right? I think that's the point. Express my feelings. And also not be afraid. And you have to just see a therapist. There's no way around it. Yeah. You oh. oh, what's Louise talking about? <laughs> Dude, and also know that I... Th I am in control I am, of my life. Sometimes. I think that, you know, and you're also going to have shitty days. I don't think anybody has aces all around all the time. Even people with good self-esteem, I don't think everything's hunky-dory. I just think they can handle life's ups and downs a bit better than people uh, who, who hate themselves. Does that make sense? I think so. So there you have it, guys. I think, I think one of the biggest things about this episode is like, just know that you're not alone. And that, that helps, too, for some reason, just hearing that other people hate themselves too. Um, is there an easy solution? Absolutely not. Read books. Do what works for you. See shrink. Do your affirmations. Listen to yourself. Listen to the horrors that you say to yourself and try to be kinder. Try to show yourself the same compassion, I guess, you would a stranger. But uh, yeah, that's a struggle, dude. That is a struggle. And, and for the record, you know, again, self-loathers, uh, some of my favorite people are self-loathers, my best friends, my relatives, the comedians I've enjoyed the most, the musicians I've loved the most, the artists I've appreciated the most have all been wonderful self-loathers. And uh, I, don't, I don't think I hang out with people that love themselves uh, amazingly. I don't. I don't think I do. <laughs> you know. Uh, but hey, hey, don't beat yourself up about it. I'm not going to beat myself about it. Because those people are uh, fucking boring. People with self-esteem are fucking boring, right? Okay. That's not true. <laughs> uh, All right, guys. Write to me and let me know uh, if you'd like to hear a topic. Um, 
Right to that steep bro podcast at gmail.com. That's deep bro podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, I think a little self flagellation is a good thing. I think that we're trying to get perfection, uh, not perfection, but a little self flagellation, not so bad. I think if you look at this generation, um, a, a lot of the problems have come from this horseshit self esteem movement. You know, a lot of the Tyler Oakleys of the world have been raised and weaned and fed from the teat of the wonderful self-esteem movement. And that is why they are fucking unbearable. Oh, by the way, I found Tyler Oakley's really early. This is before he, I guess, came out because he's just like a normal, listen to how normal he was. First of all, yeah, here's Tyler Oakley then. Just listen how normal he sounds. It's earnest and it's adorable, but. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you go through life being someone else just to please them. I don't know how you can't take off the mask and just be yourself. I don't know how you can go through life appeasing them and hiding who you are. I don't know why you just can't be true to yourself. Because when it comes down to it, if you don't take care of yourself, who do you think will? <laughs> and if that's selfish, then I don't care. Oh. Call me a selfish little bitch. Okay. Because I do what I do. I live how I live. I am who I am. I and Tyler. I love who I love. I love you, Tyler. Okay. And there's no opinion that you can have <laughs> that will change anything about that. Okay? Okay. So this is the result of the self-esteem movement, guys. Tyler Oakley. That was him then. This is Tyler now. Hold on. Okay. Let me find a good one. Here's Tyler. How to deal with bullies. Of course, there's going to be a fucking advertisement. <sighs> this is see yeah this is the problem with the millennials is that there's no self-loathing no so here we go hello everybody my name is tyler and i'm here to do a q and slay these were questions submitted oh from people that God. donated to my trevor project fundraiser as you guys know we raised half a million dollars and some of you guys earned a spot see remember the video i just played before that was him that was him in 08 and now in by 2015 so let's do it Mm, I want to dye my hair a color, but my mama won't let me. Any advice? Jesus fucking Christ. Now I want to blow my brains out listening to him. Um, Yeah, so that's the problem. Uh, With with a little self-hatred isn't such a bad thing. You know, mm, I'm going to have to stick to that. (laughs) Nobody nobody loves himself all the time. That's preposterous. (laughs) Do you really want to? Do you really want to end up like Tyler Oakley? Is that what we all want? A nation of Tyler Oakleys who love themselves unconditionally. <laughs> okay. God, fucking kill me. Anyways, have a good week. Uh, try not to hate yourself too much. And for the person that emailed, listen, I love you and I know people love you. And I know somewhere deep down there's a reason, you know there's a reason for why you hate yourself. And it's not you, boo-boo. It doesn't come from you. It came from someone else. Someone said or did some shit way the fuck back when, and you've internalized this as your own, and it ain't yours. I guarantee it's not yours. And I hope you found your shrink this week. Would you please email me, person, and let me know that you found a good shrink or that you're in the process because you don't have to suffer. You just don't. It ain't worth it, girl. It ain't worth it. All right. Until uh, next week, it's been Deep Bro. Um, and I, I love myself. I'm going to do my affirmations. And I hope you love yourself, everybody. Take care. 
and uh, pray for Kanye, guys. Pray that he finds his money. Pray that he finds his $53 million. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. That's been Deep Rope. Philosophize with Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.